changing your mind and noticing that you might have been wrong about something is a strength and not a weakness. You are listening to the Pretzel Podcast from Creative Mornings Munich. I am your host, Marco Lindgren. We at Creative Mornings Munich organize monthly breakfast talks covering inspiring topics in the creative community and life in general. This podcast brings creative inspiration and the stories of our speakers closer to you in your ears. Our guest today talked about the theme Underdog in the Creative Mornings Munich virtual session in July 2020. To see the talk, visit our show notes, thepretzelpodcast.com. She has studied mathematics and she loves logical thinking. She is also a strong communicator and she has a great passion for creativity and illustration. With her diverse background, she sets a variety of impulses in her freelance work as a trainer, facilitator and coach. She accompanies companies through change, moderates communication between teams and trains employees in various soft skills. She is Anna Werner. Actually, I was talking about the fact that we often judge people even before we don't even know enough about them to really have an opinion about a specific thing. And that's also what happens when you see someone calling him or her an underdog in a casting show, for example. You see someone on stage, the person seems to be insecure. Maybe you don't like the way he or she looks. You don't find him or her very attractive. It happens and then you automatically make a assumption about the fact if the person can sing or not, which does not make any sense. But it happens and it's very it's very human and it's good that it happens because there is also a good part about these quick decisions and the quick thinking. But still, I think it's a good idea also to be aware of it, to make sure that these errors don't happen so often because, yeah, it can also <laughs> have negative impact on people's life. Yeah, let's go to that a little bit deeper soon. But uh, talking about these casting shows and the underdogs, and uh, I, I, I was thinking about the, you know, the, the fairy tale of the ugly duckling, which yeah. is exactly that, right? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like a ugly bird who turns into a swan and that that we have seen happening in these shows many times, time after time. Yeah. And why do you think it is? Why why is it so powerful emotionally? It it really like craps and 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 stays in 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 your memory. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe maybe it stays in our memory because we notice that we are wrong because we are so sure sometimes about first impressions. And then we're just so super surprised when things turn out not to be the way we thought they are. You talked about uh, this systematic error in our thinking. Um, can you tell a little bit more about that? Um, yeah, I mean, there are there are two ways of thinking. That's at least what psychologists say or how they try to find a picture for what is going on. And what they say is that we have the fast and the slow thinking. And with our fast thinking, we have first impressions, we have feelings about things, and it goes, as the name says, very, very fast. And the second thinking, the second way of thinking is the slow one, where you really pause and you try to rethink things and it costs you effort to get back into a topic and to really reflect on it and to question yourself. That's the slow thinking. And 
calling people uh, underdogs, for example, when we just saw them, that's the fast thinking. We saw someone and we have this very quick impression and then we have to pause and we have to actively think about it and put some effort into it to really notice that it might have been just a very superficial as- assumption about someone. In your talk, you focused more on the on the fast thinking and I, I think that is also more interesting interesting yeah. point because it has it's it's more like um there's more conflict in 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 with yourself and and with, with others because uh those errors those systematic errors you may do and you uh, presented these three effects um let's talk a little bit more about them the first was the halo effect yeah that's that's the halo effect and that's exactly the one happening in in casting shows or at least sometimes i'm not saying it's happening all the time and i'm not saying it's always bad that's not the whole the whole point about it the point about it is that in some situations it's difficult and in some situations we make these errors and very often the fast thinking is super helpful and there is nothing wrong about it at all but in the case where we see someone and we judge him just from the the things we can see and then making assumptions about for example if the person can sing that's that's an error i would say that's a bias and in this case it's called the the halo effect when you see someone you have a positive first impression and then you transfer it to other areas for example you see someone you like the look and then you also think the person is clever that's the halo effect yeah and that's exactly what happens on stage for example yeah But it's just one out of out of uh, hundreds. There are so many biases and cognitive errors we make, and uh, I just took three of them because I don't, I didn't want to overwhelm people, you know. So I think it's always good to focus on a few and to really try to understand those, and then from there, get into the others and also learn about different biases and effects. Yeah, I, I think that these these uh, biases also affect the way we reason with things, not only what we think about other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. True. And uh, and then the decisions we pay based on them, uh, like the other this YCRT was interesting, uh, like a, a shortening what you see is all there is. Yeah. Which is uh, often difficult to remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. And I think also these effects, they they are not really separated. So they also influence each other and some of them are similar. And, you know, you, you cannot say this is that effect, but so in some situations also some multiple of them happen. But I think it's it's really nice to look at them, to understand them. And it's not a guarantee that you don't make those errors or that biases don't happen to you. But I think it's a first step to at least be aware and to try not to judge people too quickly. The third one you mentioned was a sunk cost, which is uh, uh, an error of thinking, not only in personal level, but uh, what I have seen is also in the business life a lot. Yeah, Sunk cost because yeah. they thought, okay, we already invested 100,000 euros on that one, that project we have to continue because otherwise all that money would be lost. Yeah, Even yeah. though the project <laughs> itself is like a lost case anyways. That's a very classical example, yeah. Uh, how, how would you see those sunk costs uh, in in uh, interrelations? I mean, between people, how would that like appear? Um, it it can also happen in in between people. For example, when you're in a relationship and you're not really happy, but you think like we've been in a relationship for five years now. I don't want to throw this away and start from zero. But when when you really feel like it does not fit, 
And I would be more happy without that relationship. It doesn't have to be a love relationship, just any kind of relationship. But having invested a lot of time into a relationship should not be the only reason to stay with it, especially when you feel like it's it doesn't fit or you're unhappy with the relationship for whatever reasons. I mean, it does not always have to be the other person's fault. It doesn't matter what the reason is, but just for the fact that you've been with a person for a long time is, is not a, a good argument. That's one example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, let's uh, go then to the uh, more positive side. How? What can we do to make it better? Uh, I mean, this, as I said, they are fast, fast thinking and they just come. I mean, you can't really prevent them from coming, but there surely is something you can do about it. Yeah. As soon as you know about them and you understood them, you're more likely to notice them when they happen. So, for example, when I, I, I also... Uh, think in some costs sometimes for example i went to the cinema this the movie was bad or the, the the concert was bad or something and you feel like i've already paid for this that's why i'd like to stay <laughs> and then the next moment my brain realizes okay wow you know this pattern you've heard that before you've told people about it that was just a classical sunk costs error so as soon as you know about those effects you are more likely to notice when they happen and then you can interact and stop and rethink. That's the whole point. And that's also the whole point about my, my talk, or it was the whole point about it, to make people aware, to help them to recognize those effects and to interact and to change the direction in their thinking. Don't you think that it would be, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult to admit to yourself that you have made a sort of a thinking error Yeah, sometimes it's difficult. Definitely. <laughs> It depends a lot on the situation, but um, that's also one of the points I tried to made, make at the, at the end, that changing your mind and noticing that you might have been wrong about something is a strength and not a weakness. And being able to change the direction and to say like, yeah, in my the, the first moment I thought this would be the better solution or the better option, but I've just rethought it and I'm I'm going in another direction now. That's It's a really cool thing, and I now today I, I think it's a strength, yeah, and that makes it easier to admit that these biases happen to you as well. Yeah, I, I think that was the for me personally, it was the most uh, most like a powerful statement was was exactly that one that uh, that saying that I don't know is actually a strength that you don't mm. always have to know everything. Yeah, just admitting yeah. and yeah, and like asking that is is that all information I have and and should I like no more to make the um, known decision. So it's uh, now that we're recording this one, it's only a couple of weeks ago you had your talk, but did you get any any feedback from the audience after the talk? Yeah, some people wrote me, not so many, but I got, I don't know, four or five messages from people saying thank you a lot. And also saying some of them the same thing you did, just say uh, f f having a feeling for... Uh, not knowing something is, is is a strength and it's something they can do. And that it's important to know that you don't know. That was what I what I read a, a few times. Yeah. Okay, let's go then a little bit to your background and your story. So uh, you have studied mathematics, but now you are not working on mathematics. Uh, yeah, you that's are... true. <laughs> You are sort of, a, uh, how would I say, a change coach, or how would you describe it yourself? 
Um, I, I would say that I was always interested in many things. So also when I was a child, I had a hundred hobbies and very different areas where I was, you know, doing things. Um, I liked singing. I liked drawing. I liked also working for different social projects, school projects. So it was always a wide range. Um, so it was not surprising for my friends and my parents, my family, that I just switched my direction in a totally <laughs> different thing because they, they they know that I was always interested in, in everything, in, not in everything, but in many things. Um, I decided to study maths because maths was one of my interests and I still love the way mathematics works. It's very clear and logical thinking. Um, it's not like I'm not interested in it anymore, but it's not everything. It's just one of my interests. And I've noticed after studying it and after working in the software development area for a few years that I'm also a very creative and interactive person. And also when I was young, I did a lot of creative and interactive communicative um, things. So, yeah, I, I was just missing that after a while. I was missing it when I was sitting in the office developing different websites, which was fun. But I noticed that I like to live that social and creative part as well. And that's why I decided to, to quit, to leave the software development area behind. And I did a course to become a, teach, a, a trainer, a trainer and a coach. And I'm now working with all these interests. So I'm trying to combine my creativity with my communication skills, also with my logical thinking. And I work as a freelancer now because the thing that makes me most happy is when I can enable others. That means individuals as well as teams, when I can enable people around me. And therefore, I use these different interests and different backgrounds that I have um, to yeah, work with them on a creative, in a creative way, for example, enable them to come up with great ideas or with new brands. Also, I support teams and people with their communication. So I do courses where I talk with teams about, about feedback, for example, about nonviolent communication, things like that. And still also the logical and structured part is always there because whenever you find solutions with people, you somehow also need to have this logical way approach of, of doing things. And working as a trainer and coach for me is the best opportunity to combine all those things and yeah, to, to follow my dream, to, to, enable, to enable other teams and other people. And that's what I love about it. What would you say is the biggest challenge for you right now in, in, in your working area? The biggest challenge? Um, I, I love to be part of a team. And by now I'm freelancing. That's a challenge for me because I love to be part of something bigger. And I know that I am part of something bigger when I support other teams, but it changes a lot. And having this safe base of people that you see every day or that you work with every day, um, that's what I'm not having at the moment. And that's what I'm missing. So I'm trying to really have partnerships with other trainers, with other coaches, and that helps a little bit. But still being part of a team, a fixed team, it's a it's a different thing. And that's what, what I miss. That's a challenge for me. Uh, your work 
I mean, it's, it's wide when you explain what you're doing. It's a huge wide area. How, how do you keep up with the, with like, uh, keep yourself updated about what happens in, in, in the field and so that you can always bring the latest and most accurate information to your customers? Yeah, that's a very good question. <laughs> um, mostly, I really get deeper into the topics as soon as I know that I'm going to do something with it, you know? So I've just been asked to do a training about nonviolent communication. And that's the point when I know this is going to happen at the end of September where I really get into it and I read whatever I can find. So really being updated about everything all the time is just impossible, I would say. So I really take the situation of the team. I ask them, what exactly do you need? Where do you want to get? What's the whole setup? And then I go deeper into it. Yeah, I think that's a, that's the best way to do it. Uh, not to try to eat the whole buffet, but focus on the delicacies that are needed yeah. at the given yeah. moment. Yeah, otherwise I would just turn crazy trying to be updated about everything all the time. So I really go very specifically into the situation that is happening. How, how can people get in contact with you if they are interested or want to discuss more about these topics with you? Um, I have a website, uh, anavona.de. Uh, otherwise, you can also find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram or just send me an email. My email address can be found on my website as well. Okay, and uh, then uh, it's time for our final question, which is what does creativity mean to you? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a very big question. Creativity for me is mostly about letting go. Letting go existing ideas, letting go boundaries, letting go expectations, letting go any pressure. Just letting go and whatever comes might be creative or is creative. Our thanks to Anna and everyone at the Creative Mornings Munich team. This episode was produced and edited by me, Mark Lindgren, at Uyma Production. Our music was made by Shasha Ende. The additional sound was made by Winnie the Moog. You have been listening to The Pretzel, the Creative Mornings Munich podcast. Send us feedback by email to feedback at thepretzelpodcast.com. To find the show notes for this episode, or to get new episodes right to your phone and your ears, visit thepretzelpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.